What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting preview for this week's Wyndham Championship, a very popular category of video that I've been wanting to bring back, but I wasn't going to do it by myself. I want to bring in Andy Lack for these shows. Andy, where are you? There he is. And make this a little bit of a hybrid betting preview, scramble, a lot of actionable information in a short period of time. Hi, Andy. Hey, man, how's it going? I am incredibly excited for this new format. I'm going to miss the live scramble a little bit. I got about two or three texts at 12.05 saying, <laughs> where are you guys? Um, but we're recording now, and I'm sure this will be posted as soon as we get off. Exactly. It'll be very, very actionable. And why waste any time? Let's jump right into the outright scene here, Andy. The odds checker grid shows plenty of discrepancy across the board. But for the most part, there's kind of a big thing two, three, four in this field. Sung J.M., Will Zalator, Shane Lowry, Billy Horschel. We've seen, geez, guys at the top of the board. Tony Finau, uh, obviously coming to mind. Xander Shoffley, top of board coming to mind. Th this has been the profitable portion of it. I'm not sure if I can get there on actually betting one of these guys again this week. Yeah, me too. It's kind of this interesting juxtaposition where you look at the history of this event and you have a ton of long shot winners. Jim Herman comes to mind at, at 500 to one right off the bat. But then you look at the players that have been winning PGA tour events recently, and it's been all the favorites. I still am finding myself a little bit more attracted to that 30 to 60 range this week. But if I had to pick a guy at the top to make one bet, it'd probably be Sungjae. Okay. I'm so I'm, gl I'm glad you said that. So the tournament predictor at rickrungood.com simulates the results of the event a thousand times. Sungjae was the guy who won it the most. He won it like 10.4% of the time, which is a lot. But the, the predictor loves uh, his upside with the ball striking. It loves his history around the Wyndham Championship and playing at Sedgefield. Because outside of Webb Simpson, outside of Siwoo Kim, and outside of Kevin Kisner, Sungjae might have some of the best history at this place. Right. And I mean, he hit the ball unbelievably well at the 3M Open. I think he gained like over five on approach and five off the tee for the first time in his entire career. And, you know, he has always had that moniker of a guy who's been really good on short positional Bermuda courses. He's had a ton of success on Bermuda over the course of his career. He's played well at Sony before. He's played well at the Heritage before. He's been great at Windsor before as well. And he's coming in with great form. So he kind of fits the um, the perfect mold of like, oh, this is a great course for him. And he's also striking the ball incredibly well. I think finding ways to get down on Sungjae in the betting markets is probably be, or one and done or something like that would probably be the the biggest intrigue for me, considering that I think his DraftKings ownership will be very high. Okay, that makes sense. The first name that I actually clicked this week was Corey Connors, which terrifies mm. me, right? Like, why am I going back to a guy, Andy, who who doesn't really win that one win at uh, Valero? Was it Valero or Val? It was Valero. Valero. Uh, like three years ago, four years ago at this point, like, is that what I'm riding on? But I love obviously the way he drives the ball 38 out of 39 events in which he's gained strokes off the tee. The putter has been much improved, but like, am I a sucker for betting this guy at basically 25 to one? Isn't the, this guy doesn't win, but he's super talented and checks all of the boxes statistically argument kind of dead. I mean, 
what Scotty Scheffler was this proverbial bridesmaid. People forget now because he broke through, and now we kind of think of Scotty Scheffler as this prolific winner. But at 25 years old, he had all these top tens in majors, all these top tens and contending performances at like the Houston Open, and people are starting to say, "When is Scotty going to win?" Then he breaks through, right? Same thing happened later this year with Xander Shoffley, the proverbial bridesmaid. He's top fiving all these events, never breaks through. And then what do you know? Tony Finau, one more time. He's got like 35 top tens in the last couple of years, and then he wins in back-to-back starts. So basically what that tells us, Rick, is that winning golf tournaments is variance. Right. All you have to do is put yourself in position consistently. Right. And, you know, what happened with guys like Tony Finau and um, Xander Shoffley is that they continuously put themselves in position. And in the case of Tony Finau, sometimes there would be situations where Max Homa would get up and down from a tree and he would lose. And now you're starting to see situations where Taylor Pendrith doesn't really show up and he wins. Right. So I think with a guy like Corey Connors, it's, I have zero doubt that he will be there, right? And he has proven his ability to get into the mix. Uh, The issue is closing the door. And so, listen, I think we're kind of starting to realize in this new era of what we see that none of these guys are incapable of winning, right? You're just trying to find guys that check the most boxes and will at least put themselves in position. And I think Corey Connors does that. All right, fingers crossed for a little uh, win luck in favor of Corey Connors. You mentioned that kind of 30 to 1 range and longer if you're looking on the grid. Maybe you can get a Siwoo Kim at 30. 28 seems to be the best number available right now. Tom Kim is in this mix. Uh, Brian Harmon, Adam Scott, who's all over the place. Where, where would you probably like to focus your attention on this portion of the board? Well, I would be remiss not to mention Henley, who I did, who I was able to grab at 31 to 1. And now I'm seeing on the grid the best you can get is 25. Um, I mean, he fits the box exactly of what I was talking about. And I know that he broke a lot of hearts last year at the Wyndham. I mean, that was as devastating as it gets. I had Henley at both the Wyndham and the Sony Open. Um, And it's, you know, I will never forget watching those two tournaments coming down the stretch. With that being said, I think in this game, whether it be DraftKings or betting, you got to have short-term memory loss and you got to forgive and forget. And I just think that this is a downright perfect course for Russell Henley. And he's proven before he can win. Again, I don't think any of these guys are incapable. Um, So I think he is a very, very safe bet to find himself in the mix. The other guy that I was looking at, Rick, in this range, well, there's two guys. I'll mention I'll mention the first guy first because I want to get your take on it. But what about Aaron Wise? I feel like I feel like not a, I feel like he's flying a little bit under the radar this year, but this is a guy that everybody was super high on earlier in the year. You and I, Rick, have bet this guy a ton. And it's not like he's coming in in that bad form, right? He just finished 34th at St. Andrews, gained strokes at gained strokes in both ball striking categories. He was kind of like in the mix at the U.S. Open too before fading over the weekend, and a second at the Memorial in a great field too. I, I guess maybe this doesn't feel like an Aaron Wise course, maybe, but I I I mean I bet Aaron Wise at 46 to one, and it's maybe my favorite play on the board. 
Yeah, he's someone who, as you mentioned, I've I've bet a ton this year. It feels like he hasn't played a lot recently, so maybe he's kind of right. out of sight, out of mind. But that doesn't change what the advanced metrics look like, and I think they're still very much in favor of a guy who is generally very good from tee to green who can get hot with the putter. Um, Kevin Kisner coming off a missed cut last week, going back to defend this week, forty to one. But I I've already clicked uh, JT Poston's name at forty five. Mm. He's won this event before, Andy. He's playing probably better now than he ever has so i i clicked him at 45 and then we just get like a plethora of names in the 50s and you kind of alluded to this earlier we've seen some longer shot guys even longer than the area of the board that we're in right now get the job done yeah i mean I, i'm with you on posting by the way i didn't quite get there as an outright but the dude is an absolute microwave right like when he's <laughs> riding this type of form um he can get so incredibly hot. And I remember when he won the Wyndham, I don't think he made a bogey all week. I think he played the entire tournament without making a bogey. Um, and the putter has been so great with him. What about Justin Rose? I mean, I, he was, people forget, he was like one stroke outside of the playoff last year. I don't love the ball striking that we saw as you're pulling up here on rickrunka.com at the Scottish Open. But when I was looking through all of the comp courses that I was looking at, you know, your East Lakes, your Sony Opens, your Players Championships, these short positional Bermuda courses, uh, he's been good here too with two top tens. Rose just seems like the type of guy that is going to it has been in the mix at these types of courses and he's done it regardless of form coming in so i found him interesting at 50 to 1 yeah 50 to 1 is a pretty good number on jay rose let's continue down the board here now we're starting to get into some real long shots you know mark hubbard coming off a very popular miscut last week he's 70 to 1 you know brenton todd is kind of a name that pops up when it's accuracy over distance and it turns into a putting contest i could get behind ches Reeve, who if you shop it as short as 60 to 1 as long as 100 if i can find a triple digit on ches Reeve, i'm probably in on that but what type of darts are we willing to throw at this board so one of the duke guys is going to contend i feel pretty comfortable about that whether uh <laughs> so adam long is actually my favorite but oh. i don't hate streelman and i don't hate alex molly um the duke golf course the washington duke in very, very similar to Sedgefield. Same types of greens, same types of Carolina courses, very undulating greens. Um, and look at how Adam Wong has been playing recently. So I mean, good. yeah, four top 25s in a row. I bet him at 60 to one. I think there's still 60s available, maybe even 66s and 70s. I thought that was an extremely fair number for a guy that, you know, he's won before. He's won a tournament at I think 26 under at the Amex before. So I have no doubts about his abilities to keep up in a birdie fest. And like I said, I think this is a really good spot for him. I think a lot of these Duke guys are going to be very, very comfortable on these types of Carolina courses. I love that. Um, let's turn our attention a little bit to matchups here. I've just got DraftKings pulled up. Obviously, you know, round one, round two matchups are kind of all over the place. I wish the industry would get aligned on what we're offering uh, <laughs> as opposed to just everybody kind of doing their own thing. You mentioned um, Sung J M and kind of getting access to him in the matchup market. He's minus 120 over Billy Horschel. Both have really good number, or really good numbers around the Wyndham Championship. So does that tickle your fancy or do you see another matchup? Up that might be better for you i think i like billy too much i i think yeah. it's i mean i i like sung jay more but i think i like billy a little too much to try and actively fade billy horschel that one um 
just to go right back to Adam Wong, like I saw, he was minus one ten against Mark Hubbard. I like Mark Hubbard fine this week too. Probably more as a DraftKings play because he was a guy who, you know, kind of let everyone down last week, and now you'll get a depressed ownership. And those are the types of guys I always love to target. But I am still so high on Adam Wong that I don't think there would be a golfer in that range in the betting market that I would not feel comfortable playing him over. Yeah, believe it or not, Hubbard is more of like a ceiling floor guy and and Adam Long is more consistent. So you can see Adam Long gains at least one stroke to the field 58% of the time. That wins you a lot of matchups. Mark Hubbard right. only does it 47% of the time, but Adam Long, uh, he's going to have to chip it in over, you know, every round he's going to have to gain you two and a half. He's unlikely to have a, a, a round of five, a round of zero, a round of six, a round of minus one. He's going to do it in a more consistent way, which when I think you start looking at um head-to-head matchups that's probably what you're what you're preferring is kind of a more consistent option there the one i wanted to look at was zalatoris versus shane lowry let's see what this one says shane lowry so what do you, what do you like for this i've got i've got the last 36 rounds plugged in would you prefer to go shorter at this point in the year or longer i like 36 it, okay. For a matchup tool, I like 36. Um, you know, this one's really interesting to me. I was thinking a lot about Zalatoris. Um, and it kind of reminds, Zalatoris kind of reminds me this week of like what Cameron Young did at the Heritage when he finished second. And this guy is incredibly good, right? Like there's no doubts about Cameron Young or Will Zalatoris' talent at this point. And their win feels like a matter of inevitability. But a lot of these guys, it seems like their wins or like even Tony Finau and Xander are kind of good examples of this too. It's like, regardless of course fit, talent, in my opinion, is always going to trump course fit. And I do not think that Sedgefield is the best course fit for Zalatoris. I think it... Right. Um, I don't think it accentuates what he does best, which is you want Zalatoris on courses when you have a long iron in your hand. But I remember that's what we said about Cameron Young at the Heritage is that this course is the anti-Cameron Young course. It's going to take driver out of his hands. It's going to take long iron out of his hands. And he was like 2% in DraftKings and won my friend Kobe like 100 grand, right? <laughs> and and I, I do think that with a guy like Zalatoris, like I don't think Rocket Mortgage was a great fit for Zalatoris, right? He's not a right. birdie fest guy and still he finishes top 20. So I think Zalatoris is, um, is intriguing to me, maybe more so as a DraftKings play, definitely not the outright number, but I think I would feel okay taking him in this matchup. What What are your thoughts on Lowry this week? Yeah, so um, Lowry to me is so well-rounded, right? And he when he's going well, he usually plays out of the fairway, which, you know, as we've talked about, is, is, is fairly critical. If you just want to bend the knee to the numbers and the head-to-head betting matchup tool, I always find it interesting when we see something like this. So this is very, very close. Last 36 rounds, I have Lowry winning this 52% of the time over a four-round matchup. That's very, very close. But look at what Lowry does much better than Zalatoris. He gains strokes to the field much more frequently, 88% of the time. He gains one or more 66% of the time. That's 20% more often than Zalatoris does. And he gains two strokes to the field half the time, which is 14% more often than Zalatoris does. Now, Zalatoris smokes him on the ceiling rounds, the three plus, the four plus, the five plus rounds. But Lowry gives you kind of a lot of floor uh, over over four rounds. I, I, I tend to like those situations. First of all, the matchup tool, that matchup tool is incredible. I think I want to ask you, how often do you see 
somebody hit that like 54, 55% win probability threshold. Cause it, you know, it's like if you win 53.5% of your bets, like you factor in the juice, like that's kind of what you need to be a plus EV better to be a winning better. Right. So how often are you, I feel like some of these, they price them really tight. They've gotten better at pricing, but how often are you seeing like a real significant edge on these? So let's say, let's say, um, like DraftKings or some book, like let's say they have like 12 or 15 matchups that are available. Uh, right. I would say like three or four of them would probably yeah. have something that I say is like, that's noteworthy. Now, when you get to the weekend and guys, you know, books aren't able to match up exactly who they want. They just basically do it off of groups and tea times. You could start to see bigger differences there. But again, then you're talking about like single round matchups are a lot more volatile than what the math is trying to figure out over four rounds. Right. No, I, I'm going to spend some time with that tool. Cause I, I like that's it. That's interesting to me. I like the way that you can look at who has more upside, but who is more consistent, which I think is a very valuable thing to look at when checking out matchups. Uh, we've got to do props and we've got to chat one and done. We're going to do that, but we are going to hear about Andy's great podcast. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, let's look at the prop board here. So they've got birdies are better, strokes, greens and regulation, and fairways hit available. Um, when I first looked at this, I thought greens and regulation seemed a little bit high. You've got the top players hitting 14 and a half as their line or 14. For the most part, you get a couple of 13 and a halves with Revy, Jason Day, and Ricky Fowler. If you start looking through this, um, in terms of greens and regulation over the last 10 rounds, right. o- only Russell Henley is averaging over 15 greens in regulation last 10. We can make it shorter, but like, are these greens particularly much easier to hit than some of these places these guys would have played over the last couple of weeks? So they they are some of the easier greens to hit on the PGA Tour. I think just off the top of my head, I think greens and regulation percentage here is around like 72%, which I think is still... That's still putting you closer to 13.5-ish or 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah, yeah, 12.96 is really what it is. Right, right. So they do feel a little bit high to me. Now, we also have to take into account that the players that they have are the better players in the field, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, nothing's really jumping out. Like, I don't know if I'm wanting to take, you know, somebody to hit 15 greens in a round. That is a damn good iron round. Um, but I think that it's, you know, one thing I noticed about Sensual, it's one of the, like, in terms of the degree of difficulty of approach shots, it's one of the lower on the PGA tour and players hit a lot of greens here. So I think those numbers are pretty fair to me. Uh, if you just want to look at kind of recent form, Zalatoris has hit 15 fairways or excuse me, 15 greens or more once in his last 12 Measure now he's been close, a couple of 14s, a couple of 13s in there as well. Now, uh, when we look at some of the other options here, strokes are 
for the top guy set at 67, uh, 67 and a half. Remember, this is a par 70, and it's pretty dependent on weather, right? Last year was um, much more firm, much more fast. The winning score was not as deep under par, but we've seen this thing get to 21, 22, 23 under. Yeah, and from what I've heard pretty early on about the course conditions, I haven't really dove into weather yet. I usually will do that on the Wednesday morning article, but it's a little bit softer this year, right? You know that that area has gotten some rainfall. The the rough is a little bit lush. So if I had to make a guess, I would probably assume that we get closer back to that 20 under earmark. And I, you know, I think scoring sometimes, well, it's difficult to say it kind of depends on the tournament, but, um, score generally the guys going off on Thursday morning. And I don't know if they have released tea times yet. Just came out like while we're recording this. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So some of those guys with a more, some of those guys with a morning tea time, I would feel comfortable going under 67. I I think 67 is fair. And usually with us, we kind of take the overs on a lot of these, but I, I actually think that scoring will be a little bit easier this year. Okay, if you want to get involved in that, uh, that's prize picks is where we were looking. The code is Rick. You can use the link in the description. You can get in there and lean maybe uh, unders on some of the early tee times of strokes. I think that the greens and regulation are a hair too high. That's my preference there. But Andy, um, it's about that time. It is It is just prime crunch time in terms of one and done. And for most people, they have this week, probably two more weeks to the BMW championship. If your league goes to the tour championship, you've probably done something wrong unless you have like a modified, uh, a modified scoring system. I got an email from somebody who said, Hey, are we use the full payouts? So like, as long as I pick the winner of the tour championship, I can basically win this thing. And I'm like, find a new commissioner, but that's kind of a different story. Andy. Yeah. I, you know, I am, I have some interesting uh, situations with some my uh, one and done. I'm kind of like right on the precipice of making money, and and these weeks really matter for me because it, you know one wrong decision and I'm kind of cooked, and one right decision and I could vault up and have a pretty nice season. Um, I, I think the way you probably want to play it is, you know, if you are front running, right? right? I don't really see a reason. I think some of the guys like Sung Jay. Billy Horschel Webb is obviously an incredibly interesting case. I mean, think about how many people probably saved Webb yes, for this, for this week, event <laughs> yeah. for this event. And now are probably feeling a lot more squeamish about that decision, given the way that he's playing. I think there's some interest. Like, I know we talked about this last week, Rick, and, and so he's not available for us, but like one of those guys, like an Adam Scott, Um, that is still pretty high in the betting markets, but probably isn't going to get a ton of ownership. Justin Rose is a decent one. Aaron Wise is a decent one. I don't think wherever you are, you really need to go above like 50, 60 to one because Tom Kim, maybe, because there are a lot of guys in that, like, look at the betting odds, maybe find somebody in that 30 to 40 to 25 to one range that you don't think a lot of people are going to be using and roll that player out. Yeah, if you are front running, uh, yeah, look at the odds board. The guys that you probably have left, you might have Shane Lowry left, depending on what you've done. Uh, you right. might have Billy Horschel left. Billy Horschel's 14 to 1 in some places. Uh, the Webb Simpson one's really interesting because if you're front running and you've saved Webb for this week, what would you? What do you do? Would you pivot to Billy Horschel? Would you pivot to like a Denny McCarthy if you don't have any of those guys available? 
if I had Billy, I'd pivot to Billy. I feel a lot better about Billy right now than I do about Webb. But if it's choosing between Webb and Denny McCarthy, or even somebody I like in that 50 range between, you know, Justin Rose, maybe, or Adam Long, I would still play Webb. You know, what's interesting to me about Webb is the pendulum with Webb this week might actually swing so far in the other direction. Like mm-hmm. I'm starting to, I like, I've looked at some early ownership stuff and he is not getting the ownership that I would have thought whatsoever. Um, so I feel like people, and he's, you know, he's priced up really highly and I don't think anyone's really looking to bet him in the betting market. So there might be a situation where the ownership on web this week is a lot lower um, than it usually is at the Wyndham. And that's because people don't trust him right now. And rightfully so I can't really blame him. Blame him. My, um, my positioning and kind of my, what I'm looking for probably pushes me a little bit to see Wu Kim, somebody who has great course history, somebody who has a lot of upside. I am, I understand that I'm bringing in his floor, but that that's probably the path that I would go. If, if you're chasing um, and you're trying to make up a little bit of ground and you need to be kind of like a low owned winner. Um, I think you're right. You don't have to go too far. There's plenty of guys who are sub 50 who are available whether it's Aaron Wise, whether it's JT Poston, whether it's, um, yeah, Justin Rose is probably not going to be very popular, right? Like you don't have to get, you don't have to get into the triple digits to be different this week. Yeah. Adam Scott, again, um, I, I don't think in one and done there's, even if you are in like a chasers mentality, um, and you want to find a guy that's going to be like, one, two, three percent in your leagues. Like you don't ever have to, you should never roll out like John Huh in one and done. Like right. there's always going to be guys in the 30, 40, 50 range in the betting. You you should never really have to rate uh range above like 60 to one in the betting markets because no one's going to use Adam long in one and done this week. I don't think anyone's going to use Aaron wise in one and done this week. I don't think anyone's going to use Justin Rose. And I think I'll even like a guy like Kevin Strillman. And I think all of those guys can win the tournament. So that's probably the direction I would go. So are we are one and done Are one and done? Are we done? Is this it? No, we should, we should probably keep track and play it out for the rest of the way. Uh, okay. Just, I, just for, I, I have just for recording ready. purposes. Okay. Who who do you want this week? Sanjay. All right. I'll Ball take, control. I'll take, I'll take Siwoo. Okay. No, no I was looking that. back. I want to know what I finished with, with the season, just for my own right. record keeping 30 events that we've done. Rick, my guys made the cut 27 times. I was going to say, I thought it was 28. Yeah. I knew, I knew you had times. missed many. Yeah. Yeah. And 19 of 30 top 25s. So I'm almost at 66%. My pick is finishing in the top 25, 10 of 30, 10 of 30 top tens. So 30% of the time, my guy's finishing in the top 10, Yeah, zero wins. I was going to say, you actually got, you have had bad win luck where that that's the type of, of, uh, of one and done profile that I'd be like, wow. Like if you didn't tell me you had zero wins, I'd be like, you made, you're at like $15 million, right? Because you are two wins at like big events away from having a lot more. And you've had just a lot of, you've had a lot of bad win luck. Right. John Rom at Tory Pines, top three, uh, Billy Horschel, Sam Burns at the Zurich classic solo second, Tony Finau at the Canadian open solo second, Rory McIlroy. I'm still not over that one at the open championship third, 
um, Seamus Power third at the Sony. So I've had, yeah, I've had a lot of really close chances without breaking through, but like that proves in a smaller one and done, like that can sure. be the roadmap. I don't think that I would be doing too hot in a bigger one and done. You wouldn't, still. You, you have to win, but yeah. you're, you're, most people, and I hear from a lot of people, play in one and dones that are like 20 or less people. And right. that would be doing very well there. Right. For the Rick one, good one that I don't think I was in this year, but I will be next year. We just released a new schedule. So, like, how are you doing it? When are we starting it up? Fortnite week? I've done that in the past. And I'm 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 fine with doing that. It's just most people's attention doesn't turn till until January. I would love yeah. maybe we'll run two. Maybe we'll run a full season and then just like a January one. Yeah, I do. That, I, I, I do the fall one. You know, I'm staying. We're both doing all of our regular yeah. content now. Now that I don't, or Armina doesn't have to do it in a spreadsheet, uh, and there's just like a website that you've put. It's much more likely that two of them are run instead of instead of just waiting till January because it used to be a lot of hard work. Now it's just putting the picks in the website. Right. Right. Yeah. And I oh. think the only thing you have to worry about is like the the live departures right is like right. that because we're worried about there's going to be that second wave maybe after the president's cup which i think is like after the fortnet but before some of the other events in the fall swing i don't know it's weird Correct. we'll cross that bridge when we get to it uh andy lack as always available on twitter at adp lack sports you can find me at rick run good there we go betting preview in the books for this week's windham championship good luck